Well, hello, welcome to the, to the front porch. And today I'm, I'm on the porch again with um, three, uh, three preachers of the gospel, Pastor Keelan Atkinson. Name of your church, Pastor Atkinson? Uh, Word Fellowship Reformed Baptist Church, uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. North Carolina. And Pastor Kevin Smith. Uh, Highview Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And you're also? Uh, professor of Christian Preaching at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Amen. And Pastor Bobby Scott. I co-pastor at Community of Faith Bible Church. And you also teach at? At the Los Angeles Bible Training School in Watts. Told you I'd get it, man. Told you I'd get it. Well, again, welcome, brothers, to uh, the front porch. And uh, well, today we're going to talk about a very, very difficult subject. Um, we're going to talk about um, what a church should do, um, what should be their response um, if, if there's failure um, in the pastor, if the pastor falls into sin. We talked about um, before when we were together on the porch, I think, Pastor Smith, you brought it up about um, the, um, when we talk about church discipline and that uh, the standard should be set from the pulpit. And the re one, of the, one of the reasons why church discipline does not take place is because uh, there's not that holiness in the pulpit. So, so, so what is the church to do when, when that is the case? Um, well, one, a church... Is, uh, the response is subject to that church's particular polity. Uh, Presbyterian churches would have some recourse uh, to an external body, the Presbytery. Uh, Episcopal set-up type churches, like Methodist churches, like Church of God in Christ, they would have appeal to external resources, mainly the bishop or the overseer of that particular area. Um, and so I think some of the greatest challenges are in, in, in my land, in, in Baptist life, uh, where there's the autonomy of the local congregation. And so the actual processes of a congregation can vary. Uh, regretfully, that puts many congregations in a situation where they're not able to deal with a leader that falls in sin because of the uh, charismatic personality of that leader or because of the political maneuvering of that leader. And so I would encourage churches, while there is no crisis, while things are not in a sinful state, if you're looking for a pastor or if you presently have a pastor, just to consider the reality of our fallenness and how should the church respond if there's sin. Uh, I have chosen personally to always keep that hypothetical before the churches I serve. And so sometimes if there's passages of scripture where we're teaching on a particular sin, I'll say in 1 Timothy 3 says that one must not be violent or one must not be greedy. And so if those types of sins were to constantly manifest themselves in the life of your leader, uh, of a leader like me or any other leader in the body of Christ, that person should be removed from leadership. Uh, prayerfully, if that person has integrity, that person will remove themselves from leadership. And, and, and again, that's based on your particular church polity. Yes. Autonomous church polity. Uh, uh, congregational? Uh, congregational, yes, the Baptist okay. congregational setting. Is, is that your setting, um, Pastor Scott? It's real similar. We're an independent Bible church, so we don't have an external body, body to appeal to in the case where we would have to discipline the pastor. We have an elder board that that responsibility would fall to. Okay. okay. 
And how about you, um, Pastor Atkinson? Um, well, I strongly, uh, we are Elder Root Church. Uh, I certainly strongly uh, agree that discipline uh, must take place. Mm -hmm. uh, where, especially when the, you know, the, there is a known sin or known violation of First Timothy uh, three, uh, because certainly uh, those qualifications. Uh, also can serve as disqualifications. Um, however, though, I think uh, with all uh, caution, uh, we should always uh, be, first of all, concerned about the brother, you know, not so much the office. And certainly there might have to be a removal Mm -hmm. uh, in some mm -hmm. cases, but I'm saying uh, one of my concerns is sometimes that we have made uh, such a priority to um, to deal with the issue and to deal with uh, his assignment that we've abandoned the person, you know, and I think uh, certainly uh, within keeping with scripture uh, how it presents itself, uh, I think there um, uh, always has a, be con uh, a concern for the individual. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I don't know if I would totally take the position to say that um, the person uh, is uh, completely removed forever. You know, I know there's different uh, positions and certainly I'm quite sure that these brothers are also dealing with um, the nature and the magnitude of the sin, sure. and uh, and probably one of the most critical issues, also is um, is repentance. You know, um, has there been some genuine repentance? And 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 not saying that repentance is the removal of discipline, but certainly mm -hmm. uh, it's a statement of that individual uh, moving in the right direction. A bishop then must be blameless, 1 Timothy 3.2 says. That's not perfection, uh, but that does have a level of understanding that one's sins can't just be like a billboard for anyone to constantly see. Uh, I grew up in a setting where if the pastor ever tried to exercise any authority, uh, the fact that he was divorced was always thrown in his face and constantly undercut his authority mm -hmm. because he wasn't perceived to be blameless. Uh, and, and so there's a purity, there's a, there's a relationship between blamelessness, authority, and the ability to lead in the pursuit of purity and the exercise of church discipline as some of the things we had discussed in other porch settings. And then also, he says in verse 7, he must have a good testimony of among those who are on the outside. And so certainly if a minister's sin is a public scandal in a particular community, um, it certainly just other undercuts the authority uh, that he can have to be the spokesman for God uh, in that area. I mean, 
how much of Israel's decline is personified by God's word in an ungodly king or an ungodly priest or a false prophet? Uh, I mean, you want to know how people, how important the purity or the lack of purity of leadership is? How much of the Old Testament says these people are declining because they were taught to do that by Jeroboam? I mean, you'd be amazed how many times Jeroboam's name is in the Old Testament as being responsible for the decline of God's people or this wicked king led them just like Jeroboam. Uh, and so that, that, that leader is valuable. Uh, the front porch addresses the African-American church. One, one thing, you know, in other traditions, I've tried to say, look, y'all need to look at the calling of ministry and stop acting like being a pastor is just a job. Well, you know, in the black church, I always feel like the need to say, you need to stop acting like being a pastor is a right. right. <laughs> you ain't got no right to be a pastor. It's a privilege that God gives to, uh, as Paul said, wow, I can't believe he put this treasure in earthen vessels. And so certainly we can be disqualified. And too many people uh, uh, seem to act as if to confront a leader about sin uh, is to violate his right to be a pastor. There's no right to be a pastor. Let me give an example of that. I was on a radio show well, just a couple years ago. It was in a broad area in D.C., and a mother called in, and she was sharing a painful experience and mm -hmm. asking for counsel. What do I do? Mm -hmm. uh, the pastor is sending explicit, inappropriate texts to my daughter, my, my underage daughter, but he's an anointed man of God. Th th that's how confusing right. the situation has become in a lot of our churches because we haven't read 1 Timothy 3 and haven't exposited, haven't preached 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 to our congregations, which state he must be. Right. It's a moral obligation. Mm -hmm. and, and God says the job description standard, not a local church, yes. and nor do I get that prerogative as a pastor to say, I, you know, I, I'm qualified or not, that if the congregation looks at my life and transparently sees so through the leadership of our church, and I fail to meet those qualifications, then I am disqualified. And here's the, here's the threefold process, and our brother Thabiti helped us to articulate this pretty clearly, that even if I repent of a sin as a pastor, and, it, and it, this is a, let me assume that it's of a disqualifying nature, then the first step of restoration when there's genuine repentance is just back to the Lord. I mean, right. the church leadership needs to help me have just a healthy walk with the Lord. Then secondly is, to the church. And then thirdly, the question is, can I be restored back to the office of the pastorate? And if I have someone who is the church treasury and he's stealing, well, he may repent, but I'm not going to put that brother back to be the church treasurer and just set him up for constant temptation That's again. Right. Yeah. And likewise, the pastor may not always be restored back to his office, even when there's genuine heartfelt repentance. And that's, and that's important. And I, and I appreciate those distinctions because um, like, like you all have said, there, there's been this misuse of a part of an Old Testament passage of touch not my anointed and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's led, I think, unfortunately, to unhealthy pulpits, which lead then to unhealthy churches. Yeah. Yeah. And he, this brother raises a good point about loving the brother. Yeah. And so we're going to still pay you for three months while you look for a job. Right. We're going to still pay you for six months while you look for a job. So you know, this brother raises an excellent point yeah, right. about loving Absolutely. the brother. And his family and coming alongside, yeah. just providing yeah. counsel, the care we need. And I think our time might be up again. Yeah.
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you go home? <laughs> I want to thank the Lord for uh, my grandmother not wanting to put me totally out there. So she would just flick, flicker the light, flash the oh, light yeah. on the porch. Oh, yeah. she, she was nice. <laughs> but the only thing about it, everybody knew what that flickering light was. <laughs> <laughs> like they say, Kevin, time for you to go home, man. Grandma, flick, grandma flickered that light, right? <laughs> Again, brothers, it's been such a pleasure. And I, and I, I appreciate you coming on the porch and, and sitting and chatting about, um, man, this important issue. Um, we just need to help our folks to know, you know, what the Bible teaches about these things. So again, I'm grateful for you. Thank you again. Thank you for having us. You gonna join us again on the porch sometime? Yeah, yeah love to if you have us. Good, man. No place like the front porch. Yes, that's no place. And maybe next time we'll have some tea. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This here is a platform that I never use it for Preaching the gospel, what you think he saved you for Gave you life to live it for Check the word for that I'm pro Redefine what's pivotal Get up out your comfort